my life is in you, Lord. Okay. Um, you know, I, I first learned that song in Russian, actually. Uh, I was on mission trip, and so it always comes back. The TBA, Toko TBA. So I really like that song. It always just kind of, those memories come back to us, right? Those special moments in our history with our walks with God, those special moments in those times, uh, and even special places. Today we're talking a little bit about some of those special memories, some of those special places, some of those special things that so often become very, very uh, important to us in our journey into our relationship with God, because God really has called us into a relationship with himself. So let's recognize his presence here today and invite God to speak to us. Father, thank you for the grace that it is in Christ Jesus, that we come to him, uh, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that we come to your throne. God, we ask that you would speak to us today. Uh, Speak to us from your word. Remind us, even in the hard things, about the proper place for all the good things you've done and the place for our heart and the things you're doing today. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning, I I, kind of begin this sermon uh, by just sort of asking you if you've ever really done these special trips to Washington, D.C. Now, we live close by, so when I grew up in Texas, going to Washington, D.C., that was like the big deal, right? I mean, that was like, oh boy, we're going to go across the country. Uh, But for those of us here, it's kind of like, you know, have a nice day trip, you run down to D.C., you go see the Smithsonian's, you know, know, all that kind of, but then there's the crowds, you get tired of the crowds and the the heat and all that. Okay, I'm going to let you in on Vicki I's little secret. This is just for you, please don't spread it around, because this is sort of like one of our cherished little things. Thanksgiving Day, nobody goes to D.C., but all the Smithsonian's are open. There's free parking on the streets because all the meters, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a holiday. So you just park on the street because nobody else is there. You park on the street, free parking. You can enjoy all the Smithsonian's by yourself. And Vicki and I. Um, now, uh, it means you have to skip all the things, you know, but, but uh, you can come and join us for the no friends, no family Thanksgiving in D.C. It's a lot of fun if you really just need a break from everybody. Um, it's a great place to go. And I'll tell you, I really have enjoyed those trips. And I'll, here's why. One is the history, right? I don't know if you're kind of a history buff, but we can go and see things. Like, there it is. I mean, there is the United States Declaration of Independence. And it's like behind, like, this glass and everything. But, I mean, there it is. The original signers signed that one. I'm just thinking, wow, we see the history of the nation. I also get excited because of all the accomplishments. Uh, the Air and Space Museum, of course, is a favorite of, for kids, but it's a favorite of mine, too. I love just kind of going back and seeing, like, wow, this is the actual space capsule that, like, orbited the Earth or went to the moon. Or you actually see, like, those accomplishments. The space race where we, okay, yeah, the Russians got the little, you know, uh, satellite Sputnik up there first and, like, sent up a Cosmo. But we were the first to the moon, right? I mean, it's, you see the, 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 the pride that comes from the accomplishments of a nation. And finally, there's the symbols, right? Part of the, the reason the attacks on January 6th were so... They, they were attacks against living people, but they were also attacks against the symbols of this nation, uh, of how we, we together we decide as a democracy. And, 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 and trying to force your will, it, it just doesn't work. And I understand that there's confusion during these days, but there's a way we work as a civil society in conversation. 
the symbols of this great democratic experiment, the United States. I mean, governments in the world have now modeled after what has done here. We take pride in that. Do you enjoy the trips to D.C.? They're sort of inspirational to me. Well, we're in the middle of a series on hard sayings of Jesus. And I want you to, for a moment, kind of imagine that you were kind of walking through D.C. You're seeing the, 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 all the, the architecture in these great old buildings, the symbols. You're enjoying the history. You're th- this is where Jesus' disciples, we find them in Luke chapter 21. Jesus and his disciples had gone to Jerusalem, the capital city. They had been at the temple, which is the centerpiece for God's presence, for their religious identity. It's where all the history had been. And some of the disciples, it says in Luke 21, verse 5, were remarking, they were talking to Jesus about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. Here it was. They were in the place, the temple. Now, there... There's some history here to this temple, but this temple was actually the second one, and it was the second refurbished one under King Herod. He had taken years and years to kind of build up with large stones, gold, or adorned. They'd built an entire complex for the Roman soldiers kind of next door. Herod's palace was right there. I mean, this was like a massive structure. The only thing I can compare it to is is, is sort of the, the, the... uh, magnificent buildings in D.C., something like that. And here the disciples were just amazed. Here was our heritage. Here was our identity. Here was these incredible buildings. And then Jesus, and i, I got to be honest, it seems a little bit insensitive, says this in verse 5, beginning, But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Come on, Jesus. (laughs) This is one of those ones I'm kind of like, you know, Jesus, you're not winning friends here. Everybody's excited about being in Jerusalem. Everybody's excited. I mean, this is kind of almost one of those spiritual moments. Now, remember that for the Jews who had grown up in that region, you would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem multiple times a year during the Passover During Yom Kippur, uh, the the, the Jewish New Year, uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah, and then Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. These would be pilgrimages at least twice a year, but usually multiple times a year. You would take the journey with your family. Uh, It would take you a week or so. Where you would go down to Jerusalem and you would offer sacrifices and worship. And it would just be kind of, I mean, think about it. It would be like the giant family camp out, right? Where you're traveling along all together with family and friends from your village and everybody's gathering. There was always excitement. There was always just lots to do. You would offer these sacrifices. But remember, for the Old Testament sacrifices, even in Jesus' day at the temple, you offered these animals, these lambs and rams and goats and so you would offer them as a sacrifice to God. But it didn't all go to God, right? You would alter it on the altar and What do you do with the extra meat? It was kind of a cookout. 
It was kind of a celebration that some of the meat would go to the priest, but some of the meat would come back to you as your family, and you would eat, and you would celebrate the grace of God, and the mercy of God, and the love of God, and the worship of God. These were encounters with God. These were important times. So the the temple was such a symbol of their identity, and their heritage, and everything that was going on. And they're saying, Jesus, do you see these beautiful buildings? These are magnificent. Isn't it great who we are as a people? Isn't it great what God has done in our midst. Isn't it great just to be here? And Jesus says, yeah, well, guys, I've got to tell you something. This isn't going to last. See these stones? They're not going to last. Every one of them will be thrown down. Every one of them will be brought to an end. This temple will be destroyed. Jesus' prediction actually came true. In 70 AD, the Roman Empire, who was sort of the ruling empire of the day, they ruled over the Jewish people even during Jesus' time. Um, The rebellions of the Jewish people, the the unrest in that area, finally Rome had had enough. Finally, the Roman emperor had had enough. And in 70 AD, Jerusalem was leveled. The temple was destroyed. The walls were again broken down. And everybody who was Jewish was told to leave the region and you can't come back. Go. Find somewhere else to live. This can't be your home anymore. And actually, the Jewish people had lived outside of that region since 70 A.D. until, uh, well, until the U.N. decided to reestablish the nation of Israel after World War II. So... This came true. This, the buildings were destroyed. Well, why didn't Jesus just save that prophecy for another time? Why, didn't, why did Jesus in this moment of excitement, in this moment of identity and glory, why did Jesus have to say, you know, <clears throat> I know you like this place, but nah, it's going to get smashed. Could you imagine with your family going down on Thanksgiving Day to Washington, D.C.? And here's your favorite pastor who's going, yeah, well, guess what? This thing's all going to get wiped out. I I would be offended. I would be angry. I would be frustrated. I don't think I'd even believe him. Well, Jesus had a purpose. Jesus, not just to give a prophecy, but Jesus had a purpose. And I want you to look at three things. Number one, I think Jesus said those discouraging words for a reason. One, he was trying to redirect their attention on the present. Redirect their attention on the present. So often, we want to glory in the past. So often, we want to talk about the wonderful things of the past. Um, In 1 Kings chapter 8, when that temple was first built, this was the temple where Solomon, um, now this has been the rebuilt temple, but the original temple that was built, when it was dedicated, it says, when the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud of the Lord filled the temple. So much so, they weren't even allowed. They couldn't continue their work. God's presence was so visible right there. God's presence was so close. God was right there among them that they were like, oh my gosh, this is too close. We're going to back up a little bit. God, this is too much. Have you had those encounters with God? Have there been those special times, special places, special places where you knew God was speaking to you? God was like right up there and you had to just sort of like kind of almost back away. There are places that become that special to me. Maybe it was a youth camp. You guys did go to youth camp ever do one of those? Those were important to me. 
those times when God was speaking, when we got away from TV, when we got away from sports, when we got away from everything, and we were just there as maybe young adults or teenagers, and God just spoke to me. Some of you all share my uh, life in Oklahoma. And you remember like Falls Creek, maybe. There was this big Christian camp in Falls Creek, right? And everybody, I can tell, see so many people like, right there at the tabernacle, that's where God spoke to me. Now, i got to be honest, that tabernacle at Falls Creek, that was the most gosh-awful, worst-built thing I've ever seen in my life. It was a giant, like 5,000-seat piece of concrete with wooden benches on it and a tin kind of roof that was hot. No air conditioning. They put giant fans that made it where you could barely hear the preacher or the speaker. I mean, these giant fans. And I'm thinking, this place, they could do a much better job. Like this, this, it could be better designed. And you could barely see. It was a sloping down ceiling. It was, it was old. It was, there was nothing great about this place. But it was sacred to the, to the Christians in Oklahoma. It's like, no, God moved here. God spoke here. God did something right here. The people saw the temple. Jesus' disciples saw the temple in just the same way. This was a sacred spot. This was a sacred spot. But it was in the past. And Jesus was refocusing their attention on the present. In John chapter 4, we see another scene with Jesus and his disciples. They had been traveling back and forth to Jerusalem on one of these holiday feast days. And they stopped in one of the towns along the way. And there was a woman there. The disciples went into town to buy food. And a woman came out to get water out of the well. And she's having this conversation with Jesus, and Jesus, and they start talking about where's the proper place to worship. Remember, Jesus and his disciples had just come from one of those high holy days. They had just gone to the temple where they were supposed to worship. And this woman and Jesus are in this dialogue, and finally Jesus says, Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship God the Father, neither on this mountain where you say you're supposed to worship, nor in Jerusalem where the Jews say you're supposed to worship. He says, a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks. It's not about a special spiritual place. It's not about a special spiritual moment. It's about a lifetime of living in an interaction with God. Now, now is the reality when you can worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In your life, you have the opportunity because of Jesus' death on the cross, because of His resurrection, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, to worship and encounter God right now, right here, at Valley Baptist Church, but also right down the street. At Chipotle, it's, it's that way. There's also one that way. I kind of know where the Chipotles are. Uh, but you can worship God at Chipotle. You can worship God in your house. You can worship God by a lake. You can worship God anywhere, anytime. In fact, we are called to walk in relationship with Him. Jesus is calling His attention away from these marvelous buildings to say right now is the time. When true worshipers are engaging God in spirit and truth. Are you part of the family? Are you part of that experience? We light a candle to symbolize God's presence. But God's presence is with us always for those who are believers in Jesus Christ. Number two, I think Jesus said this word to call their attention back to real ministry. Real ministry. What do I mean by that? Well, think about the ministry of Jesus. 
think about what is recorded. We don't have a lot of time where Jesus was like, well, and then Jesus went to the altar and there he gave his lamb that he had for a year uh, that he raised for Yom Kippur and he gave it to the priest. And the priest went and, did you know that story is not in the Bible? I'm just making this up. But did you know year after year, Jesus, as a Jewish man, in obedience to the law, had a lamb that he took and offered as sacrifices year after year. We know that all of the Jewish people did this year after year. We see one record, or we see these different records of Jesus going for these different feast days. We see Jesus celebrating the Passover. Um, we see Jesus doing all of these things, but that's not what's recorded. What we're told about is how Jesus healed the sick, how he cured the blind, how he raised the dead, how he fed 5,000 with, with just a few loaves of bread and a couple fish, how he washed his disciples' feet, how he taught us what it was like to know God and have a relationship with him. Real ministry. Real ministry. Not just the symbols, not just the trappings. Youth choir. Anybody like youth choir? We don't have a youth choir. I used to have a youth choir. Um, my wife and I both were involved in rival youth choirs. We even, like at one time when we were teenagers, had competitions. And we would always have it at her church. I think it was, I think it was rigged. But it was our choir versus her choir. And they had some other choirs. But our choirs were the top two youth choirs in the whole region. And it always came down to whether her choir was going to win or my choir was going to win. And which one was going to get the higher score. Her choir always won. It was at her church. I'm pretty sure that it was rigged. I'm pretty sure. I mean, it was always like, it was like, it was like competing for the gold. It was just like the Olympics of youth choirs, right? Oh my goodness. I'm glad we spent lots of hours practicing, I guess. I wonder, I wonder if we had done more like ministry to those who were in need instead of singing as much in the youth choir. Now, I'm not, it's not wrong to have a youth choir. It's not wrong to sing for the glory of God. But I wonder if we had spent a little more time studying God's words and know Him better. In fact, I remember the guy who kind of was discipling me at the time, who helped me know what it was to follow Jesus. His name was Aaron. Aaron was our youth choir director. But I remember him talking about these trips we would take as a youth choir, and he could begin to say, why are we just going places to sing? Why don't we go and do some ministry? Let's, let's go work in a shelter. Let's go work and help feed. Let's go help do some construction projects. Let's do some things, and then we can sing later that night and we'll have a concert. But let's do something that helps people not just sing to the glory of God, but live our lives in service to others, thereby bringing glory to God. I think Jesus was pulling them away from this, the, the trappings of the temple worship and bringing them back to actual ministry. Jesus promises this in John 14. He says, truly I say to you, whoever um, believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. They will do even greater things to these than these because I am going to the Father. Did you hear that one? If you actually put your faith in Jesus Christ, He is saying you will do the things that He did. You will be a blessing in the lives of others. You will transform others' lives. You will live not for yourself, but for the glory of God by serving others. And see the miraculous about how God works in our lives. Young people, young adults, teenagers, don't live your life for you. Come experience 
the call of God in your life. Come, be part of this kingdom. We do actual ministry. I think Jesus was saying, you've been doing all these religious things, but maybe you've missed out on the most important. Finally, I think Jesus said those words to redirect their attention to reality. To reality. So often, spiritual places can be a symbol of our walks with God. They can become that sacred mountain, that sacred place. But do you realize that these individuals were walking with Jesus? They're walking with Jesus. Let me say that again. Well, let me me fill it in a little bit. All the fullness of God dwelt in Him. The Scripture tells us He is the invisible, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That through Jesus, all things were made by Him and for Him. That He is before all things. And that in Him, all things hold together. They were walking along with a guy that at that very moment, the universe was being held together by His will. I don't understand what that was like. It was like, can I touch you? you, I mean, Jesus was fully man, but He was also God, you say, incarnate. He was all the fullness of God in bodily form. The temple was great. It was a symbol of God's presence. But Jesus was God's literal presence among them. For us, we'll do a symbol. Yeah, there, there it is. The, 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 there's the symbol of the Holy Spirit. Or there's the symbol of Jesus. Or I don't need the symbol God lives in me. Jesus resides through His Holy Spirit in all of us who are believers. I hear from Him. Now, there are sacred places, and I love them. One of my favorites was Gloriette. I loved it. It was great. It was beautiful. And I felt God's presence there on the mountains. I had so many cool experiences with God. And when the Southern Baptist sold it for a dollar, I was like, you sold the place for a dollar? Not one stone will be left on another. The reality is if you put your faith in Jesus, God comes into your life. Some of you here today haven't said yes to Jesus, but he invites you into that relationship. In Matthew 18, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. In Luke 21, Jesus said, as for what you see here, not one stone will be left on another. Okay, the stones can pass away, but I will be with you. Well, the disciples had questions. Their question was first this. When's this going to happen, Jesus? I think they missed it. I think they missed all of Jesus redirecting their attention to the present, redirecting their attention to real ministry, redirecting the fact that he was walking among them. They missed all of that. But they're like, oh gosh, there's going to be something bad happen? Gee, when is that going to happen? Jesus didn't tell them it was going to be 70 A.D., but it was going to be 70 A.D. No, that is going to come up all the New Testament tests this fall. Um, actually, this spring. Um, but yeah, it would come up on 70 A.D. But when is not the real question. It's the what. What's going on? Are you putting your faith in Jesus? 
But I've got to be honest. You guys probably are, are smart. I've, I've learned that, that Valley Baptist Church are pretty smart people. And you're probably thinking this in your heads. Is this really about Valley Baptist Church, Mike? <clears throat> are you saying that maybe this church building won't last? Or that maybe we've got to sell it? Or maybe this? Or maybe that? Or what's, you know? It's not a particular answer. But it is a particular place of surrender. A place that says, God, this is your place. This is your building. Have your way. Because here's the truth. Look at Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done it in it will be laid bare. There will be a day when everything in this creation, whether the Capitol building in D.C. or this building here or the Eiffel Tower, it's going to be laid waste and laid bare and all of creation will fall under the judgment of God and you will stand before God and you will be there with all the things that you've done right, but all the things you've done wrong. And if you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you cannot stand in His presence. You're already guilty. But God, out of His great love and mercy, sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, that you can be forgiven. Jesus already paid the price, and He offers it to you freely. Come, receive the reality of God's presence, the reality of His forgiveness. Come, come to Jesus. Yes, this is about this place, because this place will ultimately not last. But those who know God, those who have found the forgiveness in Christ, will last for eternity. We are His spiritual house. We are being built together uh, to be the place that He inhabits. So the second question you may have, is this about me? Yes. It's obviously about you. We build our towers. We build our kingdoms. We build our accomplishments. Our history our symbols, our groups. We put it all together. Maybe you're one that has a bunch of academic degrees, or maybe you have a bunch of athletic accomplishments, or maybe you have a bunch of family members that are the fruit of your, your uh, growth as a family. I don't know. Whatever, however you want to say. You have all of these things we look to as what we've built with our lives. Everything will be laid bare. What will last are those who know Jesus Christ and those who have grown in Him. So what is your identity built in? Is it accomplishments, history, symbols, groups? Or is your identity found in Christ? In Colossians chapter 3, it says this, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Is Jesus Christ your life? For some of you that may be nervous about the future of Valley Baptist Church, listen to Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Don't be afraid, little flock. Your Father has been pleased to give you a kingdom. A kingdom. It's not about this place. It's not about any place. But it is about a kingdom. A kingdom not made by human hands. A kingdom that will last forever. A kingdom that is for the glory of our King and Savior Jesus. This morning, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, would you do it right now? I, I mean, he's knocking, right? If 
you've never put your faith in Jesus, would you say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm yours. I put my life in your hands. He promises to not only forgive your sins, but to come and make his home with you. For those of you that are believers, will you again say, Jesus, I want the kingdom. I want your reality in me. I want to experience ministry today. Lord, have your way. Let's pray together. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, knowing that we can come to you freely, knowing that we have forgiveness. Lord, speak. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we sing a song or two, would you come? And if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, if you want to uh, maybe even be part of this church, would you come? Uh, I'll be down here at the front to receive you, uh, and we can speak